Welcome back to Everything's Interesting. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, world citizen, ideationist, mindset mentor, multimedia journalist, beat enthusiast, and finder of all things interesting. And we are here curating curiosity through compelling conversations. So let's get to it. Today's episode is all about the Doomsday Glacier. Now, my Monday episodes are about articles that I've read that get me excited and want me to talk about subjects. The Doomsday Glacier ran in the Rolling Stone a while back. I believe it was probably sometime in May. Yeah, if you Google the Thwaites, the, I think it's called the Thwaites Glacier, T-H-W-A-I-T-E-S Glacier, T-H-W-A-I-T-E-S Glacier. It shows up as the second one, the Doomsday Glacier right there. And there's a really cool article underneath it by phys.org, which probably stands for physics, but you know, could stand for physical for all I know. Uh, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is, is that I got into this. I've been sitting on this one for quite some time, and I felt like this is a great topic this week because Al Gore's The Inconvenient Sequel is coming out on the 28th. And uh, nation, at least in the selective cities, I live in Los Angeles. I'm sure I'm one of those select cities nationwide on August 4th. I'm going to be doing a couple podcasts about this coming up. I'm going to go back and watch The Inconvenient Truth um, probably later on tonight or tomorrow just to freshen all that up in my head so when I do get a chance to see The Inconvenient sequel that um, I'll fully understand. I guess this one's going to be a lot more focused on solutions and renewable energies um, and how we could use those. It's great. And I mean, you know, with Trump pulling us out of the Paris Agreement and a lot of companies and cities and uh, governors and mayors saying we're still going to stick with it, um, that's great and all. But, you, you know, we got the Larson Sea Ice Shelf the size of Delaware. It broke off earlier this month. You had the Larson B Ice Shelf break off, I believe. Yes, it was back in 2002. Um, and see, it didn't just break off. I mean, there was a 1200. 1,250 square mile ice shelf, it just disintegrated within weeks. And so, as you're reading this Doomsday Glacier article, which I just got done reading again for the umpteenth time, um, you know, it talks a lot about East Antarctica being colder than West Antarctica. So, West Antarctica is where all of the, the ice movements are really happening. And you've got to understand, half the world's population lives within 50 miles of a coastline. I mean, we're talking trillions of dollars of real estate. Uh, from the beaches of Miami and New York, Bangladesh, the Marshall Islands. I mean, this is going to affect the entire world. I did a quick little Google search on the United States, and I got 10% of the total land area, not including Alaska, is made up of shoreline, but 39% is the total population. Um, and so you, and I'm not sure, I mean, to me, Hawaii is all right around the coastline. I'm not sure uh, what they can constitute coastline, but let's go back to the to the 50, you know, 50 miles um, that the Rolling Stone article does, I mean, you got 40% of our population living on coastline. You know, I mean, that's Los Angeles. I'm only 10 miles away. If this thing rises three or six feet, that's a lot of water. It's, it's, you're talking about environmental refugees. I mean, we got 350 million people in this, in this country. So if 40 million per, that's 120 million plus, let's just say it was 350 is what I said. That's 140 million people that will be immediately displaced. And so you think you're living in middle America and you don't have to worry about oceans rising. Well, let's see how you feel, Omaha, Oklahoma City, and you know anywhere else, Idaho, when all of a sudden 140 million people come knocking at your door looking for a place to stay. Um, something else, I mean, as I'm reading this article, but there's tons of, of information. I, I highlighted the hell out of this. 
it's talking about Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, Mar-a-Lago, West Palm uh, Beach, Boston, Beacon Hill, Oakland, San Francisco, Marina Districts here and there, Texas, Galveston gone, New Orleans gone, Washington, the shoreline's right by the White House. Ports like Shanghai, Bangkok, Jakarta, Lagos, London all submerged. Egyptians now, River Delta, uh, Bangladesh, underwater, Marshall Islands, gone. Um, even places that have rivers near them, you're looking at ocean swells that will go into these rivers. So even Sacramento is going to be facing a lot of water in their backyard because of the oceans rising. Um what I really, really, what baffles me, what, what I really, what I'm really trying to wrap my head around, whenever I think about this, is why people don't want to to believe this. Like I get, if you're a multi-millionaire, millionaire, billionaire, and you're making all your money off of uh, the most precious, you know, uh, fossil fuels, I can see why the Middle East doesn't want to hear anything about this. I'm sure any of the allies that we have out there don't want us to be talking about this. Um, the fact of the matter is all of those places in the Middle East that are giving us this oil are along coastlines. I mean, whether it's the UAE, um, uh, Qatar, Bahrain, um, they're all, they're, they're Kuwait, um, they're, you know, they're all along the ocean line. I mean, they're there. They're going to be affected. Oh my goodness. They don't even have the infrastructure we have. At least we have a National Guard and um, the disaster relief networks that could come in here and help us. But Red Cross and you know, organizations like that, the entire world comes calling over the you know the course of five, ten, fifteen, twenty years, which is what it would. I mean, that's 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 more realistic. This isn't like a Hollywood movie where we're all going to wake up tomorrow and six feet of water is going to be at our doors. Well, these these ice shelves, they they knew Larson C was breaking off, and picture it as like a fingernail that grows into the ocean. When it breaks off, it's what's holding the glacier back from just sliding. And once the Larson B ice shelf broke off, the, the glacier it was holding back started to move about eight times faster. Um, and that's, that's insane. That, that's absolutely insane. Let's talk about Greenland. Um, there's some really cool stuff in here. Let's find out where uh, I read about the, that. Um, yeah, it's called, and I'm going to screw this up, guys, but it's called the Jacob Shaven. It's spelled J-K-O-B-S-H-A-V-N, but, you know, it's Greenland. It's like Norwegian talk. I don't know how they pronounce it, but this is called Jacob Shaven, and it's the fastest-moving glacier in the world. It's it's uh, sliding into the sea at 15 miles per year. If you've ever seen a dramatic image of a, of a calving glacier, this is what the article says, such as in the 2012 documentary Chasing Ice, it's coming from Jacob Shaven. Um, Jacob, J- Jacob Shaven? J- Jacob Schaben. Um, <laughs> a point being, um, you know, the Thwaites Glacier and what's going on in Antarctica is humongously bigger. The calving face of the Jacob Shaven is only 10 miles long versus 90 miles in Thwaites. And mind you, all this technical jargon nonsense I'm spitting out. If, it, if, I, if I'm not quoting it from the article and you go in and you read this article and you say, well, Jesse, you were spouting that off like... You knew what the hell you were talking about. I know what I'm talking about because of this article and the many more I've read uh, because of this, but specifically focused on this one in particular. What gets what? And I think I started this statement. Let me let me jump into it now. What blows my mind is how people don't want to just believe that humans have had some effect on this, even even if we haven't had a hundred percent effect, even if it's just natural climate increase 
just because that's the way the planet wants to behave. And eventually, you know, 5,000 years from now, the whole thing is going to turn into another pile of molten lava and reboot itself. I don't know. We're going to have some dinosaur-type asteroid hit us. Um, they talk about a certain area here. Was it called the Pliocene era? Uh, where these guys put a lot of effort into figuring out the amount of the amount of carbon that was in the air and, and how they were trying to recreate it based upon research that could have been done that proves how much carbon was in the air at a certain time. And of course, now that I've got you guys on the microphone, I can't seem to, to locate this one particular part. Um, it's a, it's anyways, we have had this happen on our planet before. In other words, this isn't the first time that this has occurred. What gets me and, and what should, you should really wonder is why are people putting so much effort into trying to convince the general public that climate change isn't real? They, there, if it wasn't for the economics involved in the money, there would be no other reason. There would be no reason. Why, if even if you had a millions of dollars and you were content with the amount of money you had and you didn't want to screw everybody over, it's called the the, Pli the Pliocene, P-L-I-O-C-E-N-E. Uh, we had this kind of uh, amount of carbon in the air back in the Pliocene era, which was about three million years ago. And anyways, they were doing these models, blah, blah, blah. The point is, is that if you, you have to wonder why the rich and the politicians are, are shouting so heavily against this. And they're doing it for money, people, for money. If you live somewhere where your life depends, your job depends on fossil fuels, I empathize with you. At the same time, think about the long-term strategy here. If you, you, you want your coal job back, right? First of all, you don't really want your coal job back. You just want a job that pays well so you can have a great life or the, at least the normal life you were leading before. No one wants to go work in a cave and have a canary sit next to them and hope that the canary doesn't die that day. That's I'm sorry. I, no, no one was like, oh, I'm so glad I work in a cave. It's the best thing ever. No. No one ever said that. What they said was, I really want a job so I could eat and shield my family from Mother Nature by putting us inside of a house. That's what people really want. And so with Exxon and Shell and the Trumps and the Republicans, and not, to, not just them, you've got, I'm sure you've got the media machine running against climate change in other countries too, especially if, if they're making a hell of a ton of money off of, of fossil fuels. You have to ask yourself, why are they so adamant about convincing the world that this isn't happening? And even more, I mean, that, that, so that's, that's greed. That's, that's just being a scoundrel. The fact that they're willing to auction off the future of our planet, or the, the future of at least humans are going to generally survive. We've survived so much more. You can just, hell, nothing, even no matter how warm the planet gets, there's going to be somewhere in the Yukon of Canada or in Siberia where people are going to be okay. Um, hell, they might actually have a bunch of fertile farmland underneath all of that ice. So some humans are going to live. You're just not going to be one of them. And if you think for a moment that your family, if you keep pushing for these Republicans to do this or these, these climate change deniers to do that, and somehow you're going to end up on the Elysium space station you know, a couple hundred years from now, you're fucking fooling yourself. And I am not one to cuss on these podcasts, but you are just effing fooling yourself. 
the, the 1% will be the ones who find themselves on those space stations. The 1% will be the ones who go to Mars. Even the initial people who go to Mars to try to colonize that are going to be people who know what the hell they're doing on a freaking other planet. I'm sorry. If you are a dental hygienist or a plumber or a podcaster or a waiter or any of these lower level positions on this planet, I'm sorry, you are the first they don't care about. And I'm one of them. I promise you they don't care about us at all. There's not one part of them that makes a decision on that when, when it comes to making money off of fossil fuels and climate change where they think, boy, I really hope that that waitress in Omaha will be okay with this decision. Or I really hope that podcaster in Los Angeles, or I really hope that plumber in New Jersey, I really hope that person who works at such and such place in such and such city in New York is okay or the, the, the retirees in Miami, they don't give a damn. And the fact that anyone would side with these people over something just so blatantly, obviously happening. The whole planet stands beside this. Now, if you've stuck with me this far, I applaud you. You're open-minded and you're awesome. Um, even if you're not open-minded, you're still awesome because you stuck with me. You have obviously want to hear me to the end. Listen to this metaphor, and I've been saying this one for, for at least a decade now. I think since the inconvenient. Truth, uh, the inconvenient truth came out is that you just picture yourself you're walking down a hall and you're in a building it's 20 stories high and you're walking down the you're walking down a hall and you walk by an apartment it's on the 10th floor and there's no one in the apartment but the sink has been turned on and somebody has clogged the sink so now the water is running out over the sink basin and it's filling up the apartment now you live on the 20th floor so if all of that water spills out all over the floor and ultimately floods the entire 10th floor and eventually leaks to the 9th and the 8th and the 7th, it's, it's not your problem at first because you live above it. it it's, you don't have a problem with that. But everybody who, lives, you know, everybody who lives on that floor will have a problem. Certainly the people right below immediately will have a problem. That's going to leak all the way down to the, to, the, to the first floor. Now, because you're the one walking by this apartment, you have the opportunity to turn down the faucet. The faucet's locked to the on position. You can't turn the faucet completely off, nor do you have buckets to get the water out. What's happened has happened, and it's, it's rushing out at 10 gallons a second. It's, again, this is all made up metaphor, but this is something I could picture in my head like perfectly. The water's rushing out of this faucet. It's 10 gallons a second. When you go to turn it down, you can only turn it down to three maybe four gallons a second. Um, as you learn more about how the faucet works, maybe you can get it down to one gallon a second later on. But right off the bat, you can just turn it down half as much. Would you not turn it down? You didn't turn the faucet on. You don't even live in that apartment. But there's got to be something inside of you that morally, ethically, tells you that faucet shouldn't just be running. That somebody on this floor is going to have a bad time because of that. Somebody below this apartment is going to have a bad day because of this. Morally and ethically, there should there would have to be a part of you that would say, I'm going to turn this faucet down. Now, because this faucet represents global warming, you can't just turn it off. We can't turn off the faucet. What we have done is done. The gases that we have released are there. We are cutting down way too many forests to possibly eat up all of this, this carbon emissions. But you can, we can turn it down. Because you live on the 20th floor, you think, you know, I don't even care. Well, screw that. 
Screw that apartment. Get in the elevator. I'm going to go back upstairs. Not my problem. Well, it will become your problem. Because all that water will fill up the entire lower levels. It will start to erode at the, the strength of the apartment. It may not happen today, next month. It, it could take a hundred years. But eventually that apartment is going to collapse. And the apartment being the planet. You can't just get off the planet. The idea that, oh, well, let's just keep burning this planet to the, to the ground. Let's go to Mars. If Mars ever was an actual planet that looked like Earth... Do you think for a moment if any of those people could see Earth now and could see the planet that they used to live on that we've called Mars would think, oh, yeah, you guys should totally just burn your planet down? Well, hell, that's what our plan was. Hell, maybe we are old Mars refugees. But you got to just think of how ridiculous that is. A barren, dead planet. Everything that we are going to need, we are going to have to bring. Unlike this planet where we can still farm, we can still take care of it, we can still nurture it. So, it, it's just, it astounds me that the evidence that global warming is real, regardless of how much at fault we are. We're walking by the apartment and the water's running. Maybe the planet was going to rise a few degrees anyways, but maybe it wasn't going to happen for a couple hundred more years. Instead, of we, what we've done is add things to it, and now it's going to happen by 2100. We could be looking at three to six feet of, of ocean rise. We're not going to stop living near the near the oceans, near the shoreline, because we know global warming's coming. People know that there can be out earthquakes in California, and people still move out here. People know there can be tornadoes in the Oklahoma-Kansas Tornado Alley region, yet people still live there. People know that there's gigantic mudslides and flooding all around the world, yet people still live in these zones. No, some people left New Orleans, yes, but for the most part, many people returned back to the wards. Yet they know that another one of those floods could happen. You know, Hurricane Sandy blew through Manhattan, flooding the 9-11 site, just like Al Gore said it could happen in the Inconvenient Truth, even though people told them that was just, oh my goodness, it's such an exaggeration. People didn't leave that area. Humans don't learn from these mistakes. We stay. We say, no, we'll, we'll figure this out. If it costs us $100 billion, we'll build the strongest, best wall ever. I mean, you know, the Netherlands should be the, you know, the Netherlands, clearly they're most worried. I mean, they're in whole freaking countries below sea level. They got the best locks and, and dams and systems in place, levees that we couldn't even imagine. We went to them after New Orleans. So the rest of the world's going to care about this. But since we're the number one or two, depending on, uh, I don't know, China and us, that's it, China and us, everybody else can, we probably could add up like the next eight nearest countries to us, probably at least nothing else, the bottom 100, and they wouldn't even touch us. And we just go on, we just keep polluting, you know, we know the threat's real, but we elect a president who takes climate change denial to a whole nother level. Strips it off the White House website and government websites, which I'm not really sure why anyone even cares about that. In all of my days of researching this topic, I do not believe in for one moment that I have ever ended up on the White House website or a government website looking for information about this. Uh, why would I trust them? We're hell-bent on burning more fossil fuels. He, the, he, he puts that... <laughs> the Tillerson guy into the, into the secretary of state position. He is the CEO of the world's largest oil company. 
We want to put 70 billion into building a wall around a wall between us and Mexico, and to throw in another 50 billion or so into our military. I mean, think about that. We're we we care more about building a wall between Mexico so their immigrants don't come in, so they don't take jobs that don't even exist anyways. All of our textile and manufacturing jobs are gone, and they're not coming back. You can try to keep Nabisco here, or you can try to keep you know, an air conditioning company here, or you can try to keep Frigidaire or Maytag or whatever, you know, Carrier, the air conditioning thing, that whole fiasco from Indiana. You can try to keep them here, but they're going to go if they want to go. And you can say, oh, well, NAFTA caused all this, or that, you know, the Trans-Pacific Partnership was going to cause even cause it to be even worse. You gotta you gotta realize, people, that you're buying these products from these companies that have left us to go overseas to hire people who will work at a cheaper wage. I mean, that's why they're leaving. They're leaving because they can go to China, or they can go to Mexico, and they can pay somebody three dollars an hour, if that. And they don't have to give them health care, and they don't have to give a damn about their families, and they don't have to worry about paid sick leave and paid maternity and paternity leave. They don't, remember, they don't care about none of that. They have a disposable workforce over there that if they sneeze the wrong way, they can just fire them, and now that person's out of a job. And they've, they've left the United States because we've demanded rights for our workers, which is exactly what everyone else on this planet should do. They'd stop leaving us if China, start, if China wouldn't keep letting them pay their employees $3. Got children working in iPhone factories and people jumping off of buildings in iPhone factories because it's suicide and this, that, and the other. I mean, just... You look at it. We we can blame these companies all we want, but if you're if you run a company and you're trying to make more money, then you're gonna go. And because greed is good, according to Wall Street from the '80s, that's what people see. They they see greed as good, and so they leave us, and they take they they, they take their jobs and they go away. And we want to blame Mexico and waste money that we're spending on that. You know, even thinking about spending money on that rather than rebuilding our bridges and our cities and our water and our grid. You know, when this whole place goes zombie apocalypse on us and we're all living in the walking dead because some virus took over because the you know, the climate did change and all of a sudden everyone's got diphtheria or some wackadoodle stuff that we haven't had to worry about for years. You just remember this time when we have a president in the office who wants to deny that global cha- global warming is real whether it was caused at all by humans or not we have the opportunity to turn a faucet down we don't know why the faucet's on we do not know why the faucet's on we think we did something of course we did we've been pumping freaking fossil fuels into the air for 150 years I'm pretty sure that's got something to do with it you know ever since the steam engine and the choo choo train and all that nonsense went down in the late 1800s early 1900s and the industrial revolution kicked in people have been dumping poison into our ocean ever since then back then when there wasn't organizations if you were a factory on the east coast and you were oh how are we going to get rid of all of this poison you know refuge from refuge from all of the stuff we just got done making ah throw it in some barrels and take it out 50 miles into the ocean and push it off okie dokie we've been doing this now for over 100 years We've depleted our oceans of, 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 of most of the fish. You go to a store, you're not even really eating. Something I've been reading articles about this. You're not even really eating the fish you think you're eating. They just rename it. And now we've got people out there who refuse to believe that climate change is real because of greed. It's greed. And if you're one of those people who wants to believe in Trump because you voted for him or you because you're a Republican and they, they, you think they love the Bible more than the Democrats, whatever that is, I'm, yeah, I'm not even going to turn this into a religious thing. I care less about that part. Be a human. Be a normal human. And think about the consequences of our actions. 
and ask yourself, why are the people who are so adamantly pushing us against climate change, the deniers of the world, what is their underlying motive? Oh, it's going to kill the economy. No. You know what's killing the economy? People's lack of inventiveness for new ways to grow the economy. Oh, let's, let's, let's go back and let's get the coal jobs back. Coal jobs are lost to robots, people. You know, I don't see anybody bitching and moaning about all the people who lost their jobs at Texas Instruments making graphing calculators. Those things were huge in the 80s and 90s. Don't need those anymore. You got an iPhone. What about speaking spells? Don't see anybody crying about their jobs. Yeah, what about unicycles? Don't hear anybody crying about the people who used to make unicycles. There are a plethora of jobs that have gone the way of the dodo bird because of technology stepping in. And to sit here and say, well, I want my coal job back. I know you're not saying that. You're just saying you want a job. This has gotten a little off topic because because it's all interconnected, people. It's all interconnected. It's just very important that we, we see how it's all connected. And we stop freaking out about whether stepping away from fossil fuels is going to cost us our jobs. If that's what's happening, then talk to your mayors, talk to your governors, talk to your politicians and say, what else could we get here? There's data centers are in need. There, you know, new technologies are, are, are coming around all of the time. Go learn how to code, make an app. Go bring a solar panel business into your community and have everybody go work for that instead of working for the, the, the job that left and went overseas. There are other ways to make money than constantly looking to the past and saying, I mean, hell, back at, I don't hear everybody, well, well, we should get back in a world war because back then we were making tons of tanks. Everybody had jobs. So many jobs, women had to get jobs. Oh, that's sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, sure. Let's go get in World War III. We'll have uh, plenty of time to, well, I'll have jobs then. So the environment's going to hell. If you are one of those people who doesn't believe in, in climate change, ask yourself, is that something that you really truly believe in or is that something that a politician has told you to believe in? And if you really don't believe in it, ask yourself, why? Why? Because if it's not costing you a job, then it's not really, I mean, it, who cares if it costs you taxpayer money? Plenty of taxpayer money is going to other dumb crap that you don't want it to go to. It's going to bailouts of banks, and it's going to this, it's going to that. It's going, our tax money is spent so incorrectly most of the time that if a hundred million or a couple billion, what's a, I mean, you know, it's how funny it is, a couple billion dollars, a couple billion dollars for that. When you're talking 54 billion more to go to a beefed up military to fight an enemy it's pretty cool with just putting IEDs on the side of the road and having people run up into a building with a vest or a shoe bomb or just driving a van over a bridge on a sidewalk. Anyways, I digress. The Inconvenient sequel is coming out this week. It's going to be nationwide on August 4th. We're going to talk more about this because climate change, it, it affects so much. It, you know, Climate change is going to affect where we live, how we live, the jobs that we can have. It's going to affect so much. And it may be 100 years from now. And at 2017, I'm 40 years old. You know, 50 years from now, it's 2067, and I'm 90 years old. So I won't even be around when most of this stuff goes down. And I don't have kids yet, and I may never have kids. So I may not have to worry about this. But if you've got kids out there, you know... You know, I'm not even going to say something as generic as, if you've got kids, you should care more. No, you should just care more as a human being. 
as being a part of, a, of a, being part of a citizenry, be a world citizen. Okay, that's my rant. That's my rave. I didn't really go into as many of the highlighted notes on this Doomsday Glacier, but it was written by uh, Jeff Goodall. Just type in the Thwaites, T-H-W-A-I-T-E-S, Glacier into the Google, and it will come up. You can read this article, as well as go pay attention to what's going on with the Inconvenient Sequel. Thank you so much for joining me. I really hope that you're feeling your curiosity curated. <laughs> Find me on all forms of social media at Jesse Mogul. My website's MediaMogul.com as well as my Facebook being Media Mogul. Love you guys so much for listening. Thank you very much. We'll be in touch. We've got more to talk about with the environment. Go out there and check out this new movie, The Inconvenient Sequel. All right, guys. Talk soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>